What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Buongiorno. Buongiorno to you as well. Good to be back at the ch- in the chairs with you. Buonanotte. Oh, because it's That good was night. actually Italian for good evening. Good evening. Yes, I've go. never thought about it before. Is that the one that's, uh, that's the Lady in the Tramp song? Is it? It has been so long it's since like I've when seen they, when they're the actually, oh, I know, same. But like, isn't it what's the, when in this, this is the night song, they call it... Do they really? Don't they say they call it Bella Notte or something like that? Huh. Well, Bella Notte would make sense because that just means what a beautiful night. Oh, okay. So maybe but that's what it says. Okay. means good evening. Good evening. Yeah. Okay. So Anyways, that's the my expen- you that's know. My ex- that's the extent of my Italian language We're all- knowledge. Thanks, Lady in the Tramp. I know, right? Like, <laughs> movies are good, but you know what are also good? Video games, because that's what we like to talk about here on Team Chat Podcast. The ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. New episodes come out Tuesday, 9 a.m. Central Time. And you can get those on podcast services around the World Wide Web, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify now, because we're on that Spotify. We fancy. We are fancy. We're with the big leagues now. <laughs> iHeartRadio and others. You can check out a full list of where you can listen to us at teamchatpodcast.com slash where to listen. You can also watch each episode on YouTube and Twitch. Just links to find all of those places are in the description below or, again, teamchatpodcast.com slash where to listen. Finally, if you we are a completely listener-supported show, so if you are really loving what we're creating and really want to help us make the show bigger and better, head over to patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast, where it's for as little as a dollar a month. You can support the show, and in return, we'll give you a cool perk, like getting the episodes early before their general release on Tuesday, and access to a private channel on our Discord server. The Speaking Rogue's of Gallery. Discord, the Rogues Gallery, but well, you can also find us on social media such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Again. Description, and you can find links for all that stuff in the description below. But anyway, before we get into our main topic of everything, which we don't have a Red Dead Roundup for today, but we do have some news to catch up on. And it definitely is a catch up moment with Mogan. Mogan. Sorry about that. All right, so catching us up from where we left off last time, in case you missed it, The Walking Dead, the final season, episode three, comma, Broken Toys, (laughs) came. Came out on January 15th for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. We talked about this one last time, and I still haven't figured out how to actually say it. Y-I-I-K or Yeek? Oh, I remember <laughs> you talking about this one before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A postmodern RPG came out for PS4, Switch, and PC on January 17th. Ace Combat 7, Skies Unknown, Ooh. a still long but more easy to say name, uh, came out for PS4, Xbox One on January 18th. Something I'm actually familiar with, Travis Strikes Again, No More Heroes, made its debut on the Switch on January 18th. At the Gates for PC only, January 23rd. Catching us up to very recently, and we'll be talking about this very soon, Life is Strange, epi- excuse me, Life is Strange 2. Episode 2 came out on PS4, Xbox One, and PC on January 24th. You can play it now if you haven't done so already. Resident Evil 2. We've heard a lot about this on our Discord. We've been hearing a lot about this. We've been hearing a lot about it. Especially from our buddy Brandon. He's been playing it a lot and he's he's building that hype. He really pointed out how um, extra gooey, I think, is the word he used for it to describe describe the levels of gore. Gooey, mm, appetizing mm-hmm. for Resident Evil Two, PS4, Xbox One, and PC, January twenty fifth. According to our most trustworthy friend of the show, Brandon, it is a worthy remake of Resident Evil. I haven't played Resident Evil Two. I didn't play the original one, but but oh. I am like 
Now's the time. Now's the buddy. time, and like I really want to play this remake because yeah, it looks so good. You gotta. It looks so good. <laughs> you just you have to. No. And then coming very very soon, as of this episode's air date and in the near future, Genesis Alpha One comes out for PS4, Xbox One, and PC January 29th, along with. Jerry. Kingdom Jerry. Hearts 3. Yes! <laughs> Sorry. Very good. I blanked. <laughs> I wasn't sure you were going to get there, but you came, you, you pulled I, through. I pulled through. Rally. with Kingdom Hearts 3, the much-awaited tri-sequel to the Kingdom Hearts franchise, comes out for PS4 and Xbox One January 29th as, as well. So does Penguin Wars. There we go. For PS4. A worthy rival <laughs> to the on Penguin sales day series. to Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> and Sphinx and the Cursed <laughs> Mummy comes out for Switch also on January 29th. Very nice. Uh, I feel bad for those other two that are coming out right next to Kingdom yeah, Hearts. Yeah, not going to get much play probably. No. Except for their diehard fans. <laughs> what if Penguin Wars turns out to be like Game of the Year? Right. And we have to Kingdom Hearts 3 just like words. fails <laughs> But Penguin Wars, that's the game we should have been looking out I know, for. I know. I know. Sneaks up on you sometimes. Yeah. Those good ones. You never know where they're going to come from. Penguins are pretty sneaky. Has a species, especially like, if they're in water. Yeah. They will sneak they're up sleek. on you. They're, they're fast. They are sleek and fast. Mm-hmm. Correct. Absolutely. Tri- tri- they're the James the Bonds of the bird world, if you will. They're already wearing the tuxedos. James Bird, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. <laughs> But some other news that did happen within the last week uh, were ca- that we wanted to catch up on and touch on a little bit just because – oh, I remember the other story I want to talk about that we need to give props and credit. We'll jump into this one first. Yeah, because these are both little news stories that have oh. to do that, – that like are a bad thing but also like I feel like there are some good positive steps that came from these. Okay. First example, within the la- over the last weekend, uh, the Anthem VIP demo came out. Obviously, people are very excited for this game. Have a lot of anticipation for what this looks like due to your flying uh, like armored suits and all this with the javelins. Uh, that you know, people's have my personal uh, thoughts on its similarities to Destiny and how it will play. And obviously, just it's Bioware. Bioware may, has made some very great games. Obviously, like the Mass Effect series, Dragon Age, and all that. And so, people had a lot of high expectations for it. But right out the gate, there were some issues with servers not being able to load bugs that were freezing it up, people not being able to even access the demo, even though they had codes and invites for the demo. It was just a lot of problems and obviously not what EA wanted. People were also then getting mad and saying that uh, this isn't a beta test like this is a demo. The game has gone gold at this point, too. A few days prior to the beta launching, the game actually went gold. So people are like. This shouldn't have been a stress test. Also, this is something that people had to get into, had to pay to pre-order. So obviously, they pre-ordered the game, and then that meant they were able to get access to the beta. Uh, I Sorry, see. I worded so that wrong. So the access to the beta was part of the pre-ordering privilege. Yes. Gotcha. So people were upset about that, obviously. Like, we paid money. We would like to be getting into this. And Did the one thing I will say... more to pre-order? No, I mean, it's just okay, your standard... in that case, it's just a nice freebie. Right, that in right. This Typical pre-order, pre-order bonus. It's like, no, it's, I don't. you didn't have to pay an additional $5 to get access to the beta or something like that. Gotcha. Uh, I'm pretty sure... No, that was for the division that I, that I um, registered for without pre-ordering. So we'll see. Fingers crossed I get into that beta. But anyway... Neither here nor there. The people got understandably mad. And then even an interesting point is Bioware didn't extend the demo, which I feel like a lot of times with like betas or things like that, people will expand it if there were issues, extend it if there were issues, but Bioware didn't end this thing. But I will say, and I think the thing that I believe that EA shows that EA is maybe not fully learned all lessons from the past, but is learning and working towards it. 
and credit to the Bioware team, they were very vocal. Even like higher up developers and project leads in the game were very vocal on Twitter telling people like, hey, updates are coming. Are, is it working yet? Okay, thanks for letting us know about that bug. They were very vigilant about it. So I will say that, that even though there were a lot of issues, I thought it was very well done how they responded to the crisis. And also, I mean, even though... So some people think about a beta as being like basically a pre-release of the game and i'm not saying that that's how it is but some people think of them that way like oh this is a beta this is my sneak peek but betas are still in some sense for testing Mm -hmm. i don't really see anything wrong with that as long as the beta and all of this slew of problems leads to them fixing the problems and having it be a smooth experience upon release not like fallout 76 prime example right uh that's just good news so a beta going wrong is not something outrage worthy in my opinion uh it's absolutely outrage worthy if you paid a shit ton for a game and then it doesn't work the day that you release it but for a beta it's like hey you didn't technically pay more for this it was just a privilege of pre-ordering uh it's our opportunity as developers to feel out where are there obviously problems Mm -hmm. that's just good news to me right and and yeah and i think that so i feel like like i said i feel like they handled this very well although but i still say so even though there were these issues which they now are also in this coming weekend uh, the, there is going to be another. Is it this weekend? It starts the first. Is that this That's weekend? This weekend. Okay. That's so yeah, the, an open demo beta whatever they're calling them demos i believe okay, gotcha. uh, but they are that's starting for this weekend and they've already kind of been proactive and said hey some of the issues might not be totally fixed yet by then but you're still going to be able to play again so i feel like they're doing a good job of handling it but from, still though from what i've seen oh that gameplay looks fun and so I'm still excited about also, it. Also, like, I, you know, you mentioned that most of the problems had to do with server errors and the actual beta, like, access keys not functioning. That's I know there were some other issues. Those were the bad. bigger ones. That's not nearly as bad, though. It's like, hey, we couldn't help but notice that with uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, uh, people's facial animations yeah, are wild. Yeah, I haven't wildly. heard any of that feedback. So that's, like, just more good news oh, because yeah. server errors can be fixed. Yes. That's, like, easily... Uh, this is air quotes for those of you right. not looking at the video. That's easily fixable stuff so it's like you know what not worried about it yeah hashtag not worried about it hashtag not worried but yeah so i'm still very excited to jump into it this weekend and play around in the demo a little bit so you know next episode you'll probably i'll probably have and some thoughts is the demo going to be open for all yes, players it's open okay open and that's going to be for both ps4 and xbox and pc i believe and well. pc nice yes. so awesome. all the platforms that i'll it's play be it on. too we'll see what it's we gonna think. be fun I, I, it looks so fun so i'm excited about do it. you get like a palico like in monster hunter i don't think so no i'm sorry unplayable <laughs> it's an unplayable game <laughs> But <laughs> will not play. Just as immediately. Just, just instant no. no. The other bit of news that I thought was worthy of mentioning, because again, another positive sign, I feel like, for the industry as a whole. I think I know what you're going to say. Nintendo came out and announced yeah. that they were not pleased with the progress for the new Metroid 4 game that's coming out. And so they are re- basically starting from scratch and moving it back to its original development studio. Yes. So this is just, literally, I could not be happier with this news. Like, some people were like, oh, bummer. And I was like, oh my god, that's the best news I've had yeah. in two years since they announced <laughs> it at E3. So the uh, the gist is that the lead developer of the Metroid Prime 4, so this is Prime 4, not just any of okay, the so other Metroids. Um, and the Prime series, Prime 1, 2, and 3, are widely regarded by many fans as like the best of the best. Uh, 1 and 2 for me were especially. I didn't really like 3 that much, but that's neither here nor there. Mm -hmm. The point is, 
Metroid Prime 1, 2, and 3 were done by Retro Studios. And the new people, who honestly I don't know who they were, that Nintendo originally had on to do Metroid Prime 4, apparently were not producing the effect that they wanted. Right. So think whatever gods they have in Japan, all of them, all of the, the above, old gods and the new. The, the old and the new, whatever you want. <laughs> thank all of them that Nintendo was like, huh, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> they, so they scrapped whoever the old studio was and they decided to kick it back over to Retro Studios. So I, I'm so happy about this. Like, I'm literally elated. I don't care that I have to wait longer. I will happily wait for Metroid Prime 4. It's already been, what, 10 years? Yep. I don't care. It's been a long time. I can wait. I'm not dying anytime soon. <laughs> so, uh, yes, I think it's going to be worth the wait. I think they're going to wind up with a better product as a result mm -hmm. and i have no issues with waiting it out nice. if it's like a breath of the wild situation where they announce it five years prior and then it takes a bunch more years to get it that's fine i'm willing to wait no problems with that so i wasn't originally going to talk about it but talking about how excited you are that they are putting something off you know they were willing to scrap and restart I'm not over yet, EA. I was happy about you with how this all bio, with all this Bioware Anthem stuff, but I'm not happy about you canceling Star Wars. I haven't had a chance to talk about it on the show. Uh, yeah, you might as well just talk about it. Talk man. about it for a quick Let second. Talk about how out. mad I am about this that EA has canceled the project that Visceral Games had been working on. They were going to re move to another studio after EA shuttered Visceral Games, but they have now come out. They can't. Well, Jason Schreier from Kotaku set is the one who initially broke that it was the game was canceled. EA came out with a it's canceled, but not it might be canceled, but they didn't hard confirm it. But that's what everyone is saying, and that's just ridiculous. That is ridiculous. I'm like. They can't make a good game with the. They failed on both fronts with the Battlefront games. Like I haven't even finished the campaign for Battlefront Two, and honestly, it's a Star Wars game. I should be playing that campaign fifty times by now, but I haven't. And here we sit, years. From another, well, not years, because Respawn at least is still working on the Jedi, Star Wars Jedi, or Fallen Jedi, sorry. And so I still have a high hopes for that because Respawn's a great studio and they make some great games. Titanfall 2 is outstanding. Um, but still, this was supposed to be like a big third person open world esque kind of game from everything that we had heard from and about. And I was super excited about it. You know, this is after, again, the canceling of Star Wars 1313, which is going to be this dark, super gritty take on the Star Wars universe in a video game. I'm not happy, yay, yay. So my question kind of is... This fix your seems, shit. Fix your shit, for starters. But So my question kind of is, this seems to be not necessarily a recurring theme, but something that has happened more than once, specifically with a Star Wars-themed game. Well, I think because that possibly is due to the fact that there is such a heavy influence from Disney. See, and I think anytime you've got Disney on your yeah. back, it's got to be up to Disney standards. I, like, I do want to know how much of this is behind-the-scenes compromises that we never even know about and that, that might be, be affecting the quality of the game or affecting the direction they want to go in so i don't know like i really would like to know more about what's happening that we never hear about the the big point and that may be true but also for some reason ea is not able to put out to spit out the quality or the quantity of games that have come from years past like when lucas arts was in charge of making their games they put out a small handful the biggest most notorious of which are the two new Battlefront games, which have both blown chunks. So, you blown know, it's chunks. <laughs> so it's just like, get, let's get back to the games. If EA can't do it, let's find a developer that can get back to the quality of games, such as dark forces, such as the, even the old X wing and tie fighter games of, of your, the, uh, let's see, 
all of the different, like the, the, the even the Knights of Terra's Casa, even though I love that, you know, that game is, but there's just so many of these great ones. KOTOR, for example, even though they've talked about how Knights of the Old Republic, Jason Schreier again came out recently with a, oh, the tweet saying that Bioware has tried to make KOTOR 3 happen, Knights of the Old Republic 3 happen, but it just hasn't. So Real it's quick. just like, why, what, what's, that's what I want to know. Like what's causing this disparity between where these older games had great ones, from across many different systems, and now we're just sitting with these two. So, I mean, obviously we just talked about it, but the elephant in the room is the old games versus the new ones is the new owner is Disney. The old owner wasn't. Right. I, I do think that that's probably ultimately one of the driving factors behind the scenes. Obviously, we don't know for sure that's right. true, but like my hunch tells me that that is the case. Yeah. You know, they probably want the games to go in a thematic direction that they think will be more in line with the movies more in line with toy sales merchandising and i just wonder how much is them going you know what we don't think this is really going to benefit our bottom line let's just scrap it well then i'm gonna be mad at disney i know i have anger that i don't not quite know yet fully who to place it towards I'm i'm gonna start my own series and it's gonna be called um Star fights. <laughs> it's just not, not even if it takes off. Just star fights. And it's going to be a blatant <laughs> ripoff of Star Wars. And I'm going to be like, oh, they're not stormtroopers. They're thunder soldiers. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's going to be great. You just wait, Jared. I'll make it happen for you, buddy. You're going to love hey, it. Hey, if it's anything, if it's close, I'll probably, I'll probably play it and love it. You Nobody know steal I mean? my idea. <laughs> Thunder soldiers. Those thunder soldiers that's are the, coming That's for the you. key item in this pitch. <laughs> yep, oh, I think man. that's. Uh, I think that's where where my uh, fortunes will lie in the future. Nice. All right, so I got that out of the way. Okay, I got that good. off my chest. So now we can move chest. on to the main topic of today's okay. episode, which is a review of an. I'm going to go ahead and say, for me personally, outstanding. Really? Because I actually was not sure how I thought you were going to react to it. I okay. We won't dive into all of it yet, but the game we're talking about is the recently released, as of December 2018, Gris. Yes. I'm going to try it. I, uh, we don't... I'm not French. I do not know the French language. So, I don't know how... G-R-I-S, as we say We talked about this a little bit before we started. The studio is... The, so the developer of the game is Nomada Studios, which is a Spanish-based studio, actual Spain, not Central or Latin America. So they do pronounce the word Gris differently. I don't know if it's supposed to be the French pronunciation or the Spanish pronunciation, mm. because in both cra- in both cases... In both cases, it means gray. It's mm. just a difference of pronunciation, and I don't know which one they actually want. So, our bad. Let us know. Sorry? Question mark? But anyway, so we both played Greece, and we wanted to talk about it. Obviously, we have not yet shared any opinions. Me saying it was outstanding was the first opinion of the game Uh, that Mogan has heard. Uh, So, basic format with our reviews, again, for any first-time or newer listeners... We will talk about mechanics, uh, background, story design, and things like that that we like that will keep spoiler free. Then we'll move into a very period which will be uh, the second period, which will be spoiler filled because that's going to be us talking about our favorite moments from the game, our impressions of the game, our what we took the meaning of the game to be, uh, and things like that. So we will make it very clear before we transition into those moments. And then it's up to you to decide if you want to listen or not. To but. be fair, though, I would like to preface all of that with saying that the hard story of Greece is very open to interpretation. Yes, it is. So I can, like my personal feeling. Yeah, we can feeling, say the, like, the, yeah, the, exactly. the my, plot overview. Right. So my personal feeling on the game is that even if you do watch our interpretations of it with spoilers, you could still get a lot out of it. Oh, absolutely. So even, you know, if you want to cut it off and like save it for your own experience, I totally understand. But I don't think that personal 
initial interpretation is going to be that much of a spoiler because it is such a a metaphorical game. Yes, it is. Yeah. And we'll talk about that more in just a little bit. So, basically then, the story overview is that you play as this young woman who is... Her name is actually Grease, by the way. Oh, it is Grease. Yes. Okay. So, I like in my head, I was calling her. I would just ah, called yes, her the like keep girl, the woman, or, <laughs> or something. Like I, I thought she was. I thought I, she was unnamed protagonist. No, I believe that it is actually that her name is Grease. Okay. And so you are th- suffering, or it seems to be that you're. You are very much suffering from something. Yes. It's just not it's necessarily not totally stated clear what. Yes. And so you go on this journey throughout the throughout this game, just uncovering both. I think believe for, uh, and up to your interpretation, the source of the grief and the resulting dealing with that, or not grief even, but whatever she's suffering from, yes. and the result and the result of dealing with well, that. Well, so the gameplay. immediate problem that the game presents you with in the opening cutscene is that it makes it clearly apparent that you've lost your voice. Yes, like you've literally lost your voice, and when you initially start the game, you you like you can push. I think it's the a button. It's either B or A. Yes, it's uh, A, it's the right? One of the, it's the yeah. It's always I know, for, right? for Switch. I can never I, think of it. Yes, I always it's, it's, think it's, of them as, as X and Circle. Same. I'm not gonna lie. It's so it's the Circle <laughs> on it's the PS4. Circle button on the Switch. <laughs> if you can play it on the PS4, but you can't because it's only Steam and yes, Switch. Yes, it's only Steam and Switch. And the game again. This game came out in uh, mid December. Yeah, I think December eighteenth or yeah. something like that. Uh, so it is still relatively new. It's not available to PS4 and Xbox people unless, of course, you have Steam on your computer. Mm-hmm. But uh, that being said, when the game initially starts, you have have virtually no abilities. You have no abilities. You can walk. You can walk and you can push the circle button which has your character, the Grease Girl, kind of make this motion like she's trying to say something Isn't there even just a very can't. faint... Yeah, there's like this tiny little... Like that. I actually had to turn my TV up to even be able to hear it. Right. Because at first, all I was seeing was the animation. I was like, ah, she's trying to do something, but she can't. And she like grabs at her throat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then she looks really sad. And I was like, oh no, you poor sad critter. I feel so bad for you. She's a human. She's not a critter. But uh, the artistic stylings of Grease are very... Not necessarily impressionistic, but very minimal and very geometric. Yes. Things that I adore. I do as well. Yes. Like the minimalism of the art style, I was all about. So do we want to save the art and talk first more about the mechanics? I think we should. Yes. Let's, let's talk, let's about, let's the talk about mechanics first. first. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, but I mean, and there's not much to talk about. It's a there's very not, simplistic game. And, you know, one of the things, again, it says this on the back of the box, you know, in like the basic plot, if there was a box, but in the description is that you then learn part of your journey of, of deal, of dealing with your, with this, what do we want? The do loss want? of your voice. We'll okay. Call it the we'll call it that. Um, and so dealing with this loss of your voice, you are able to interact with the world and express yourself through your dress. Yes. And that is the core of the game's mechanics of where it comes from. As you go through the game and progress, progress and unlock these different areas, you there, you'll there you unlock more abilities that you can perform with your dress. Yes. The first one and not, you know, this the first one trailers. of which. Yeah. yeah, this was featured in a fair amount is of you, places. It turns into a square, more like a cubic block, and you can smash through areas. I actually, areas. I... The cube is my favorite one. I'm not going to lie. Like, I adored being the cube. There's one for cube, double jump, and then you can swim. Yes. So eventually you can become like a little pyramid, and it makes you kind of like a geometric fish. Mm -hmm. And actually, so just... I thought more of like a... It looked like a manta ray-ish or something like that. Whatever, Jerry. That's just what I thought it looked like. (laughs) Whatever. Just kidding. (laughs) 
you see a man ray, I see a fish. <laughs> Very open to interpretation, people. Uh, so actually, this is... It you is know the what? A Let's button not, on the switch. It is the A button. I'm, Let's not get ahead of ourselves to too much. Just so uh, we know. But, so the base mechanics of the game are just like Jarrett said very minimalistic there's not that much that you can do air quotes per se other than make these very basic motions and uh actions that ultimately help you solve puzzles and this is why i wasn't sure how what i thought about how you were going to react to it because personally i was very pleasantly surprised that the game did tend to have a pretty heavy emphasis on puzzles i was but i think with the type of game that it is and, and how it wants to play through i think if it didn't have the puzzles then you would be you'd be at a lack of game. So here's the thing: when I first started Greece, I had this pit in my stomach because the first twenty thirty minutes of it, like that real core beginning mm-hmm. of the game, I had like flashbacks to greatest disappointment of all time. Bound. Oh, really? Another extremely artistic interpretation of these very metaphoric emotional journeys that was largely hinged on the art and not so much on the gameplay. And Bound was also very much uh, put forth as like this platformer style game. And when I was playing through Bound, I was like, okay, it's definitely going to become something like any minute now, right? I'm not going to be bored the whole time. Right. Wrong. Bored the whole time. What a waste of a game and a waste of my time and my life. And when I was first, you know, trying to get a feel for Greece, I was like, oh, no. I think this is Bound Part 2. Like, I was actually really worried in the beginning stages because it was so minimalistic. Luckily, it did become something more, but... How long did that take for you, though? Probably 30 minutes to an hour. Okay, so not very much. Like, it really took me until probably about the first full stage, which we'll call the red stage, Mm -hmm. uh, before I realized, okay, it actually is something. It's not going to be like Bound, and that's primarily because... Bound did have an interesting story behind it, behind all the layers of suck. Um, <laughs> that's what we're going to call it. Uh, but I want to add that to our uh, quotes channel in our, page, in our Discord. Uh, but what Greece does have go- going for it in terms of mechanics is that once you do gain more of the abilities, the platforming and puzzling is actually very engaging and mm, very oh, yeah. fun. So even though in terms of the speed of the game, I frequently felt like, man, I wish I could make a run faster. Yeah, I wish there was a run. But I understand why that's not part yes. of the game. Uh, Greece obviously wants you to be able to absorb emotionally uh, the images and the music and the themes that it's spitting at you. And you really kind of probably couldn't do that to as great an effect if you weren't taking your time. So even though I was personally very frustrated at not being able to like hold a and sprint, I get why that's not a mechanic. Right. And and yeah, because it's a game that's meant, I feel like it's very much meant to be played slowly, even though it's not a long game. It's a short game. It's a very short game. I think Jared and I both talked about this. We probably clocked from start to finish without like 100%ing the game because there right. are actually some little trophies on the side that you can mm-hmm. get. Uh, I obviously didn't get all of them. I didn't them get all of them either, but I feel like through. I got a decent amount. Yeah, I think I did okay. I certainly found some of the more hidden more items. More than half, I, I feel like. Really? You think more than half? I think I did. I don't think I got more than half. <laughs> I like to explore the little side areas a lot. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Uh, but anyway, so the point. God, where was I going with that? <laughs> 
Uh, we were talking about it being slow. But game meant to yes. be played slow. Uh, I'm sorry. All I was going to say is that we probably both clocked maybe four to six hours apiece. Right. I think you finished it a little faster than I did. And mine was just because I was like, ooh, ah, so pretty. Yeah. Look at the colors. I was so, so distracted. <laughs> so that's a good point then, I think, to switch over then into talking about the more of the art direction and style of this game. Yes. So one Because of the- it is incredible it's one of the most artistically impressive games i've ever played and th- still it, it you say that but, but we cannot be uh, it cannot be understated enough how or overstated enough how minimal this game was in its art style yes so especially when the game first starts out it does present you with this very gray boring not like intentionally it lives boring. up to the name yeah of the game. It, yeah it very much lives up to the name of gray like you start and you're in this gray washed out world with no color uh the cover art for the grease game you know features the grease girl and she has this beautiful blue multi-tone hair she has this really nice like yellow eyeshadow and mm-hmm. these bright lips and obviously her bright red and pink cape right. but throughout the game she is primarily gray and this is actually something that i'm uh blatantly riffing off of a verge article uh, by excuse moi it's by Andrew research yes. their inputs by Webster excuse me Andrew Webster not Webster Andrew it's not the <laughs> comma uh, so this is the article the art behind the gorgeous indie game Greece by Andrew Webster from The Verge so one of the things that I wanted to point out is a uh, the Spanish studio Nomada founded by a group of industry veterans who partnered with artist this is the guy that we can thank for this game artist Conrad either Rosette Rosset or Rosset? I wasn't I'm sure. Rosette. Yeah, the Rosette. Let's there go with go. that one. It's probably not accurate. What's but it? So what's the first? Conrad? It's it's Conrad Rosette. So I assume Thank that's you, either Rosset, Rosette, or Rosette. Anyways, so he is obviously a, a real artist, and they partnered with him to turn the their of his artistic evocative style into something interactive. And uh, they go on to write that translating Rosette's art into game was challenging. Uh, the main character, for instance, the Grease Girl, in the final game, she's very simple, really just a head with hair and mostly a triangular-shaped cape. Mm-hmm. She has two little black sticks for legs not and even two like feet. little yeah, not even feet and two little black sticks for arms, and that's all there is to her but they um, made a point to say in the development of the game they actually had a lot of other ideas for her like having her cape incorporate all the colors that you eventually get in the game and having her movements be uh, different than what they ultimately wound up being and ultimately they had to scrap all of that because in terms of animation this is a fairly small studio game it was too complicated and they Mm -hmm. were like you know what we can probably do without it and still have it be as good of a game so conrad rosette thank you so much for your beautiful work uh some of the other things that they pointed out and this is something that i found consistently fascinating about the game from a visual standpoint is they found that adding more animations for the grease girl specifically wound up presenting interesting challenges specifically with the mechanic of the game's extreme zoom outs. Yes. So something that Greece presented me with that I hadn't really encountered to such a scale with other platformers is it will occasionally, not occasionally, frequently, do this big zoom out to where like you as a character are just a a, a relatively small dot on the screen and that is with the purpose of presenting you with the environments that they've created these incredibly artistic environments which i think are based uh, in large part and this is again from the article on the architecture of both venice and india 
And man, if yeah, I can see Indian yes. influences in the later levels. Oh, I can. Uh, for some of the earlier ones, I do especially see Venice, mm-hmm. uh, especially in terms of the architecture with the uh, sort of the repeating motif of these uh, symmetric columns, yes. like all of those repeating columns. I was like, oh man, this is awesome. Yeah. And I didn't really have a word for it until I read the article, and I was like, oh my god, it does look like Venice. They're totally right. Look at all this water in these repeating columns. This is totally Venice. And in the later levels, which we'll talk about a little bit more with um, their comparatively lush environments and the colors and the height and scale that they get to, that absolutely is evocative of Indian architecture. Mm -hmm. So it's fascinating that they chose to incorporate those into the game and the ultimate effect of being able to view these environments on this wide scale. Those were the parts of the game where I just kind of sat there and I looked at the screen and I was like, gosh, what a pretty game. <laughs> it really It's like, can we buy prints of these? Yeah. Like, like, where can I get one of these? But for Greece. But for Greece. Exactly. With all these. Because it was, it, and I remember the first one especially when it did that. Or one of the first, yeah, one of the first areas uh, at the end of the red part. Right. When it really pulls out there, I was just like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. Like, like it was some of the moments I was like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to do it. And then it would totally cry. And I couldn't help it just because I was overwhelmed by the artistry oh, yeah. of it. It's an incredible, it just cannot be said. And so we talked about the architecture a little bit, but the color plat palette is really where Greece comes to life very literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an amazing, an amazingly done interactive watercolor portrait and i've never seen another game do the watercolor palette as well as greece this only one that i can think of that comes close is super giant with some of their games especially bastion yes i i can definitely agree with that but in by contrast bastion has a very saturated yes. like ultra hyper pigmented colored world mm-hmm. whereas greece takes the opposite end of that spectrum and at first at least goes with this more toned down not necessarily wash out but just a more subtle approach to the watercolor palette and they are in both cases beautiful but in the case of greece exceptionally appropriate for what the game is trying to convey to you yes so the arts so there's the art style and i meant to circle back i want to circle back around really quick uh because when we were talking about the gameplay and the mechanics and you how you were saying you were surprised with the puzzles and how that and how i normally as one i have stated before you love to say that I'm you not, hate puzzlers puzzles can Platformers and puzzle, puzzler games can very quickly annoy me, and I f- find myself very quickly at my limit with them. And that was never the case with Greece. Uh, just simply because the puzzles I found to be, again, it's it's a sl- it's meant to be played slow. So I felt like I had the time. I'm not trying to collect coins. I'm not trying to beat a, a time limit or anything like yeah. that. I'm not trying to score a certain amount of points in a certain amount of time. There's I, no resource I, management. Exactly. Thank God. I literally just can take all the time in the world to slowly meander around and see all the different parts of the environment and see how they might possibly give a benefit and then be able to find the key to unlocking the puzzle. And and not only that, they were they were not they were intricate. Like there were ones that I had to try a couple different times in a couple different ways to figure out. Um, and and one I want to bring up again when we're talking about a little bit more in depth on some spoilery. Wonder things. if ours are the same because so, there was one that I was like, once I figured it out, I was delighted. I was I delighted was like, and annoyed at myself I know, so I was much. Like, wow, I was like, I'm what? so stupid. I think but we're probably I still, the same one. I still just love this. The but yet they were they were complex, but then simple, and I felt like it was never overbearing. Like I still feel like there was a, the developer was like, we want you to have this puzzle as a 
asset of the gameplay, but we don't want it to be to detract from the main emotion and story of this game. Yes. And I feel like they balanced it perfectly. And I do want to say that part of that balance that they achieved, uh, especially with this game being very allegorical, very open to interpretation, one of the reasons I think they were able to accomplish that, and this also ties back to the puzzles and the gameplay, nothing is explained. Yes. There's no dialogue. None at all. Even when you do eventually gain your voice back, there's still no dialogue. Wow, the, uh, shut up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, you, the, the only time that the game ever briefly interrupts you is when you gain some sort of a new ability. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, hey, push A to do this. And that's actually, all it does. A is your voice. Y is the... Uh, y is your block. Y is, y is your actions, I believe. All, yes, you're right, because when you enter the water, you automatically turn yeah. into the triangle. Yeah. Right. So the gameplay is very simplistic, but it achieves great heights with what it has to work with. Uh, and just... Even though it is such a short game, I really... It's not full price. We absolutely need to mention yeah, that. Yeah, it's full price for what it is. But it's, a, I believe, $16, yeah. $16, $17, which is like a weird price point like yeah. in the middle of 15 they and 20 They were like, but it's still. not going to be 20 but it's also not 15 We need to make need it $1 spot, right? more. We need to be $16. Yeah. So. And for that $16, I absolutely feel like I got my money's worth oh, in spades. By far. Yeah. It's spectacular. So we've talked about different stuff like that. So what about then the other important, very important aspect of this game is the music. Oh. Can we have a round of applause for the Berlinist? For God's sake. So Berlinist, Berlinist. yes. So Berlinist, I gather, is actually a group of people. I think it's three uh, musicians. Did you happen to take their names down? Oh, look it up. Yeah, because they were in the credits, and I was like, "You three, you three, right Are there, you're incredible. the champions." Uh, it's I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's two men and a woman whose names I am unfortunately blanking on right now. I got now. you on this. Hold on. But they, of course, go by the group name of Berlinist. So the city Berlin with an ist at the end, like a violinist, but a Berlinist. Uh, they did the music for the game, and especially in the early stages, the soundtrack is very minimalistic, often just sort of background noise per se. Ambient. The real turn that I was like, oh, this soundtrack is awesome, was in that very first red stage, where there's the point, right, this isn't too spoilery, so you, you kind of can tune out if you want to, but there's this point at which you are meant to... Uh, use your newly acquired square ability, your cube ability, uh, to basically power through a given situation. And there's this really nice way that the music takes this sudden turn. It's a very strong organ, I'll yes. say. It's, yeah, it's a pipe organ, you're right. It's like, yeah. And honestly, the, the closest thing, and I thought the music for me, and especially in this area, when the organ and everything pipe, uh, began, because of how the normal sound of the... Of when the, the organ... Okay, I'm trying to find like a <laughs> Sorry, I distracted you with my mad jokes. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the basically this started and this organ starts up and it, it instantly reminded me of Hans Zimmer's score for Interstellar. You know what's funny? I thought of Dracula. <laughs> I actually thought of if, if their music, the musical style for me and in, in, in the more slower ambient parts and, and the slow... Uh, it reminded me of Blade Runner soundtrack in oh, its slower really? ambient parts. Huh. So it was for me. It was this very intricate mix of of like this Blade Runner esque like ambient techno, mu not techno in the in, in sway, but like a you know just a 
if you know Blade Runner and the thing and like how Vangelis normally scores, it's like a, a mix of Vangelis and Hans Zimmer's Interstellar. Is kind of what I put it as. Am I mistaken, or was the soundtrack for Greece though primarily uh, true instrumentals? It wasn't. It wasn't tech music, was it? Like, like I mean, technically. Sourced. I think there were some synth. Synthetic Were there? synthesizers in there. Gosh, because so. all I really remember of the soundtrack from the game is like the strong impressions I got that were primarily fueled by uh, the piano, the, mm-hmm. uh, the strong piano, and uh, on a few sections, the strings, and of course, the organ. Right. Uh, I think it was just very light. That's what I mean. It's very light. Like uh, techno is probably the wrong the wrong phrase. It's just very, according to their, they say chamber pop. So they make chamber pop. Oh, and they're, they're, fancy. They're, uh, the members are Gemma, Luigi, and Marco. Gemma, Luigi, and Gemma. Marco. Gemma, excuse Gemma, me. My Luigi apologies. And Marco. Any group has to be good if they have a Luigi. There you go. I'll say it. Strongest character in Mario Brothers. What? What? No. But anyway. <laughs> and in Smash 4. Wait, what are we? At? Smash 4? Yeah, I, I don't so. know. Smash 5? I don't know. No, no, game for a different time. But anyway, so it, it's just the thing about with the minimalistic art style, and this is what really sold me on Greece, is the minimalistic art style combined with this very. Again, also simplistic, but powerful and subtle, all at the same time, music made for one of the more, if not the most, peaceful experience I've ever had while playing a game, or even ever. I was just so relaxed the whole time, and just so and totally engrossed in the game at the same time. It was incredible. Yeah, I completely I keep agree. saying incredible a lot, but that's just how I feel. And and that's obviously something that we could expand upon more once we uh, broach into our more spoilery territory, which maybe I think it's time? about this time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So here we go. Spoiler territory. Take off your headphones, press pause, skip ahead, whatever you want to do. Again, we have in the description for these, we have timestamps. Right. So you can check ahead when we do like our, we're in our final wrap up and score. Wait, hang on. The, let me get my thingy. Okay. Ready, ready. And spoilers. Kachuk. Here we go. <laughs> You're we in go. the spoiler zone. What? What's this thing called? The clapboard? Yeah. Yeah. I got it right. Cl- that the time. clapper. clapper. I think. <laughs> it's the highway to the danger zone spoilers. So let's. Let's let's go. Let's get started. So, right. so the the moment that we're talking about, I feel like where the organ really kicks in is was one of the mo. That's when it really showed off to me what this game was going to be like. Yes. What, I think what you were saying it made this. It really showed the tranquility within Greece, and so that is also where the first puzzle that annoyed me and I couldn't figure out was because when this happens and when this organ music pipes up is because this windstorm basically starts sweeping through this plane and it blows you back. Yes, and you have to normally try to find areas to hide or duck down to get around the wind so it doesn't blow you back and keep losing your progress. But I got to this point where no matter what I did, I couldn't get progress until I finally clicked on my head, oh, I used the cube form of her dress, which makes her stand in place. So I did the exact same thing where it didn't immediately hit me that when you become cube grease, you can walk. Yes. Very slowly. Even slower than non Very slowly, just like, eh. But you can fight against the wind. But it is this very, um, you know, fight against the challenges that life presents you with. And this kind of goes back to the more metaphorical aspect of the game, which we kind of uh, glossed over the beginning. But to expand on that a little bit more, when you first start the game, obviously you have lost your voice, but you're being held in a giant stone hand. Mm -hmm. And when you realize you lose your voice, that hand just crumbles away and you fall into what appears to be this gray abyss. And when you eventually kind of wake up, you've landed in this gray washed out landscape. And at first, and I do think that this is a kind of impactful part of the game, you can barely even walk. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Like you go at like micro speed and your character is very sluggish. She'll even just collapse to her knees sometimes and you kind of have to jostle her awake again to keep moving. And I thought that that was a very, it didn't go on forever, obviously. In in reality, this scene was probably very short, but it felt long. Mm -hmm. Playing it, I was like, man, this sucks. Because <laughs> I wanted to go fast. Right. <laughs> but what the game is really trying to tell you is like, hey, when you're in the depths of despair, you're not going to move you're not going to move quickly. You're going to be really slow, and it's going to be really painful to try and get back up. Mm-hmm. No matter what that challenge you're facing is, it's going to be really hard. And that then segs immediately into the red stage, where you come against these really strong headwinds, and you have to find a way to get around them. And that visual of physically steeling yourself against these forces and powering through regardless, even if it's at a snail's pace, I thought that that was very impactful, Mm -hmm. and I really liked that a lot. I did too. And then later on in that level is where one of the first vistas, I guess you could call it, it, when it pulls back super wide and shows off everything, (laughs) is the windmill stage. Ah, yes. Again, super simplicity, just lines, basically. And I, that's what I loved about it, too, is obviously some of these lines you can walk up to like get to other areas, but it wasn't always super obvious about what it was. So you're just like slowly meandering, and then suddenly you're going up, and you just find yourself like more of the path finding you than you finding the path. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying, because part of the artistry is that it is more of a flat 2D plane that you're looking at. It doesn't have very apparent 3D qualities. Mm-hmm. So I completely agree that sometimes I didn't realize where I was supposed to go because based on the shadowing and the art, I was like, they all look like non-climbable platforms. Right. And then you realize, oh wait, that one has the barest breadth of a blue outline to it. Mm-hmm. That's the one I need to jump on. Right. And it was just this small thing that I was like, oh duh, gosh, I should have seen that sooner. But because it was so subtle, that gave it just that little extra edge of, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. And what I love most about the windmill, which is another testament to the, how beautiful this game is, is when you'd be walking about these parts, there would be these areas where it that you obviously couldn't jump across the gap, but as you walked to it and in perfect time as when you would arrive to it, parts of it would, the windmill would unfold and fill in the gap. Again, it's not something that you could have got to that and died. There was no way you could have died, but it was going to unfurl in time no matter what, but, but you still have that ounce of unknowing. And I think that circles back around to what you're talking about of stealing yourself with the cubed form of the dress, you know, stealing yourself for the dangers that, or the, your, against your fears and securities and whatever, and so you same kind of thing. You just trustingly step forward, hoping that you're that the gap's gonna be filled in in time, and it always is. But the animation for how it feels is always so smooth. All Timing. of the animations for this game were very smooth. And real smooth. quick shout out to not the not the soundtrack people, but the audio technicians. Because mm-hmm. those sound effects were perfect. Especially when you would be falling and dropping into water. Oh, Everything gosh. I even made a I even made a note of that. Um that when you fall into water the sound Sound effects re- just perfectly oh, match yes. the music. It go it's amazing. Like I noticed that too. Yeah, it's a really nice touch. Even later on, I noticed when you do gain back the ability and have your voice and you unlock that as one of your later abilities in the game, I thought it was incredibly impressive. And again, a testament to the work of of Berlinist, how no matter where you were in the soundtrack, whenever you hit her voice and activated her, her voice, it still fit 
perfectly with the music. Which I don't know how like musicians do that kind I of know. crap. I know. I like, can't either. It blows my mind. That's magic that I just cannot grasp. I'm right. like, how? How did you make a bass soundtrack that this perfectly layered over no matter where I am in the game and what I'm doing? Right. How? I know. It's crazy. It's just, it's truly magical and just mind-blowing. I really don't understand it. Right. Uh, and so basically, too, as you go throughout all these different areas and everything, you unlock more colors, which... What did you take that to mean? So the colors, first of all, are I. Uh, they're actually not perfectly primary colors. No, I thought it was going to be primary colors because first you unlock red, red. and then you get green, green then and yellow. green is a secondary color, and then, then you yellow, get yellow, and then blue. blue. Yes, and that's what finishes. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it's not actually or like do you get orange. Also, I can't remember. No, I think, I think it's, it's just, just yellow. Four. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I kind of did throw me when the next color I got was green because right. that's not a primary color. I was like, Oh, what, what's going on? Here? What's happening? <laughs> but I get it in the context of the game because the more colors that you unlock, they quite literally paint the world around you. And the way that I kind of interpret it, it's they, not like it, it's, it's, it's not right. like it's, it's just, well, the first one is only red. It's like the red and gray because yeah. it's the first color. But then when green unlocks, it's a green and red, a mesh of green and red. And so and it's never just one replaces the other, you know, sort of these bright red desert vistas at first. You also now have green mixed mm-hmm. in. So you have green trees with beautiful red flowers and it's just or red this, trunks with or green red, leaves. That's right. It's just this really nicely done blending of the colors in a way that I, I, I wish I had like the artistic vocabulary to really describe it. Unfortunately, and I yours is better than mine. I didn't so, go to I mean, art school though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no luck of saying the right word to describe yeah, it. It's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. It's just stunning. And the red and the green area is what introduced one of my favorite platforming aspects of the game. Two things, actually. Two of my favorite things for the game were in the green area. My favorite thing. Go ahead and say yours because I bet I know what it is. The little wood sprite. Yes. Oh my god, he was so, so cute, cute, buddy. Dude, you're cute, buddy. When like <sighs> cute, buddy first like so. What we're talking about is when you drop into the green level, we'll call it, which is this foresty area. Uh, something you encounter kind of early on is like this little like leafy trunk, and it pops out of this ground. And it's this tiny little cube critter mm-hmm. with like tiny little legs, and he's like made of wood, I guess. Yeah. And he runs away from you at first, but if you platform up to these specific trees that have apples on them and then jump and cube up and slam down on them the apples fall cube buddy comes along and he's like oh sweet apples and he eats them and if you feed him enough apples he becomes your friend and then he comes with you for the rest of the level and That's i great. was like i'm crying over cube buddy at home and i can't help because i love him i know and i was scared though i was a little scared because like you talked about in rhyme how you have the the fox buddy, and then like things don't fox end as well friend. with fox friend. Oh, God. So I was afraid of that with Q buddy, but Q buddy li- like Q was great. Q buddy lives because Q he's buddy cute. he's super cute, and he also has like other little foresty sprite creatures that are his real family. Mm. The most adorable thing that I'm not sure if you noticed is there are a couple of spots where you have to team up with Cube Buddy because he'll do what you do. Mm-hmm. Like once you befriend him, he'll run along with you. And if you jump at a slight delay, he'll jump behind you. And if you cube up, he'll cube up. And that's how you uh, break through the floor in a couple of scenarios. But I don't know if you noticed, if you cube up and walk, he also cubes up. Just and then he cup, cube yeah. walks with you and he makes this noise. <gasps> Did you hear I it? the noise. Dude, you got to go back to that oh, level. Because no. like if you cube up and walk, he also does. And he's like, he, he, he. Oh, 
And I was like, cute, buddy. I love you so much. There's a a cube-shaped hole in my heart for you, cute buddy. Exactly. I love you, cute buddy. But yeah, I completely agree that that was an unexpected, just delightful part of the game where I was like, this could not be more pleasant if I were trying to make it more pleasant. Especially since the only other character you really interact with in the game is the black uh animal shapes that chase you a bird at first and then an eel later on yes but circling back though to the green the other thing i loved about it and it was a more of an artistic expression on it is how this showed off a new a currently but not before seen part of the game in that certain platforms would appear and disappear that was so interesting but it would be trees basically and so like everything in this in this in the green level is cube shaped and so but you would see a tree a cube shaped tree and then its branches and leaves would go away what are its branches and leaves but really it's just a green cube would go away but it looked like a watercolor brush flourish is what would take it away and then put it back the motions up were, the animation was so fluid yes for everything it was everything. amazing and i just loved how because you'd have to hit it at the right time it was again just one of the platforming puzzles and again i loved it because of its simplistic its simplicity but still how it just how well they executed it so it would say it would reveal a a, tr- a triangle that had a 45 degree angle that you could walk up but sometimes then it would fill in to be a flat cube at the top so you'd have to walk up jump wait for it in time for it to fill in so that you could use use the top of it to jump to another platform and i just I just love that little little bit. And kind of along the same lines, some of the later puzzles that built on that were when you jump, your jump is what triggers the trees mm-hmm. to change shape. And so you really have to be careful to time your jumps of, okay, I'm going to jump over here, but now I've made that platform disappear. But if I jump from here to here, I'm not going to get there and all this other stuff. And I was just like, wow, what a really nice, just interesting little puzzle that wasn't overly burdensome, mm-hmm. but still required a bit more thought than you might expect at face value. Right. Uh, and so th- so let's so let's jump in. I mentioned it briefly earlier. The black mass that becomes either a bird or an eel. What what did that for you interpret? So what did you interpret that as? I do. I, I didn't initially catch on to it because I didn't realize that it was such a menacing force. But the black mass is actually made up of many smaller geometric birds. We'll call them. They're just these little triangles that sort of fly around you at certain points of the game, sort of in a in like a bird swarm. And initially, they're not hostile. They're just kind of around, and you're like, okay, uh, go away, birds. I'm trying to do my own thing, and they. They do, but at a certain point in the game, I think it's at the end of the red stage where you're trying to complete the level, mm-hmm. um, the black small birds all come together and meld into, again, the animation was so beautiful. They meld into this one very large black swallow. I think it's a swallow. Um, and at first I was like, oh, sweet, I just made cube friend. Here's bird friend. I was really excited. And then bird friend turned out to be a backstabbing bastard. Yep. <laughs> because this bird like forms in front of you and you're like, sweet, going to be best friends. Going to ride this into the sky. Going to ride into the sky on majestic wings of friendship. Wrong, because it screams at you, and it immediately becomes apparent that you have to escape this thing. Uh, And the bird and or the black mass follows you throughout the game, and it takes on a couple of different forms. Later on, like an eel in the water levels. An eel, and then much later on, uh, do you... I don't actually... I'm not actually sure if I even want to say it, because it's such a nice spoiler. Okay, well, let's not We'll we'll, We'll save that one. Yes. Uh, It takes on a familiar visage, we'll say. Mm -hmm. How about that? Uh, So the mass, I interpreted interpreted it. That's such a hard 
phrase for me to say, um, as the amorphous fear that all people live with at all times. Mm-hmm. Self-doubt, self-loathing. Yeah, I, I do see that. I absolutely can see how people could interpret the game as being more an, a metaphor for grief and sort of the stages of grief, especially That's how with, I took it. So I, I absolutely see how that's possible because a lot of the stages in the background, in the architecture, they frequently feature this despairing female figure who is in various stages of really just kind of being depressed and crying. Um, And some of the trophies in game do also kind of not necessarily mimic, but they allude to the stages of grief, Mm -hmm. you know, anger, that could be the red stage. What are the other ones? Uh, Sad depression. Yeah, but they didn't necessarily fall in the same line. Like you would think, you would think like the green would be acceptance or something like that. and And it wasn't. So it didn't perfectly mirror the stages of grief, but it did sort of parallel them mm-hmm. to a certain extent but because it wasn't like with rhyme a cut and dry hey here's this one here's this one here's this one it was much more of this no it's not necessarily that it could be anything so more of what i took away from it was because you've lost your voice uh, i much more saw it as the in losing the ability to properly express yourself because of fear and eventually t- taking ownership of that fear and really uh, becoming the master of your own feelings in doing so you gain your voice back and you are then able to express yourself and thereby breathe life and color into the world. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I took it was more the amorphous route. I kind of, so I said, like I said, I kind of initially thought it was dealing with grief. Like I assumed a lost a loved one or something like that is war. But then my understanding of it, especially as you got to the later levels, did morph more into what you thought of it, where I did see it as more of either, maybe not. What did you say it again? I, I lost what your point. What you were, what, what you thought, like the black, the black mass. The made. black mass is more like inner turmoil. Inner, okay, that's what. Okay, so I t- later took it to mean more of a depression. Oh, okay. Or like. Uh, being scared to so basically my like my like main wrap out wrap up with this is or what I thought the message it was trying to say was dealing with a sorrow or depression by recognizing the light or frame it as or the good that you create that you yourself create for you and others so basically like gotcha. you said made the made the world uh, living in full of color you know basically finding the thing within her her voice that brought joy to others, even though she was dealing with this inner struggle and turmoil of depression, uh, not feeling good enough, whatever. That's kind of what it eventually came to mean for me. I gotcha. So uh, I suppose then I do just want to touch on a couple of the other puzzles that I think we both found. I had one really more. I had fun. one more good. Yeah. I think that I wanted to Was yours the crystal caverns? No. Actually. Oh, you son of a bitch. Sorry. <laughs> what? Oh, but that is like a, a big mechanic is you had to, you unlocked this, as you unlocked and went through these areas, you would, uh, you would find these stars that would kind of, that would follow behind you. You had to go through a small puzzle to, to, uh, to earn the star, but, it, and not like star, like Mario gold star, like a bright s- yeah, white they circle. They literally look like you're trailing along with you little yes. pieces of a constellation. Yes. And as you would complete each area, these would constellations would go up into the sky and start making a a path. Yes. And so a uh, literal path to the stars. Yes. Which comes into play later on the game, which we won't go into much, but that was just another key aspect of it, which is what was the main goal of the crystal caverns. Yes. Well, maybe sort of yes and sort of no. So the crystal caverns, there are a couple of uh, sections where you might remember 
there are sparkles everywhere. And at intervals, that sparkling intensifies and it freezes. Yes. Yes. That yes. was one of my favorite puzzles. I forgot so about that one. This, that one was so good. Oh my God. It was so fun. So there's this part in the game where you enter these like crystalline caverns and there are these sparkles everywhere. You're clearly underground, but at intervals, kind of in time with the music, everything flares up into this temporary brightness. And at every flare, wherever you were in motion in the game, it freezes basically uh, like an icy statue of you. You're still out and about and moving, but you've left behind this sort of of, uh, statue shadow that is this crystal imprint of you, essentially. And one of the puzzles that I was like, how in the F do I do this? That one did take me a bit. It was this very simple setup of, okay, you have a slightly lower platform here, and the little star, the constellation star that you need, is on this higher platform over here trying to angle this for the viewers uh you're too short to be able to jump from one end to the other you clearly have to make a center platform but if you're just on the ground or in mid jump it doesn't freeze your image if you're falling in motion Mm -hmm. so if i jump through the air trying to make a platform i can't because it's like no that doesn't count you're in motion but if you're standing still or on the ground it does it took me longer than i'm willing to admit to figure out that wait a second if i cube up and then it freezes and then i jump onto my own cube and cube up again and then it freezes, and then I jump onto that one and cube up again, I can basically build a tower mm-hmm. of progressively uh, dissolving and reappearing cubes, and then I can get to the next platform. Yeah, that was I forgot about that f- one, but that one did take me that a bit That was one of my favorite too. ones. I really liked that one a lot. So my big highlight, I think, from this game came, and I don't really want to go into a whole lot of detail about it because I think it's one of those things that needs to be experienced. But the last area, for me, is by far like one of the most entertaining platform levels and most beautiful platform levels, well executed. Everything about it just clicked so well it like that I've ever played hands down, like favorite level. Like it's so good. And I don't think this gives too much away, but this is one of the mechanics that you didn't previously see until this final stretch of the game is this like really nice callback to Mario galaxy where it plays with gravitational. Yes. Gravity reverses. Yeah. There will be points in the platforms where if you jump just high enough, you kind of hit the point at which the gravity shifts instead of falling down, you fall up Mm -hmm. and the view doesn't switch. So you're still upside down it's like an escher staircase kind of thing and you basically have to figure out how to go back and forth between the gravitational poles to solve some of these platformer puzzles and i loved that and it was so good because it was a combination with the gravitational reversals and everything it was a combination of a water level and like a sky level and it just and also at the same time like obviously you can tell you're getting closer to the end of the game and so the music is starting to build and be more emotion build on the emotion that you've already built up from the rest of the game and it just and all starts is- to combine and dear God, it was good. And it's the arguably, without a charts. doubt, the most colorful section. Yes. And to great effect. Yes. Oh my gosh, the colors of the final level are just like, I found myself stopping more than any other time to just be like, wow, look at this. So I took the most captures on my Switch from that section because so I was like, I'm take. just blown away. So pretty. Every, every single still is an artwork in and of itself. 
every frame is art. That's what we were talking about we, or before we started, how bemoaning how it's difficult to transfer your, your, your captures from the Switch where you could actually have them and share them in a better if, way than just sending them to Twitter or just like make wallpaper like, or something. If anybody better like, suggestions for us on how to do that, please let us know. Because we're dumb. <laughs> we're really dumb. <laughs> and we really need help. But if I could find a way to make those, ca- to take my captures like to a watercolor artist and be like, here friend, paint me this. Mm. I would pay top dollar for those recreations. Maybe con- uh, old Conrad Rosette, uh, he sells. Yeah. Maybe he sells stills. That'd be cool. Go, Just check that out. Con boy, con buddy. <laughs> what, uh, what, what, what's the price I know on you those? Can't actually, I actually want to say, if you go to uh, is it to Nomada Studios' website, they do have, I believe you can buy art prints oh. there. That's almost certainly worth it. Whatever yeah. they're charging, it's worth it. I can't remember if they're just of Greece or if they are some of the landscapes too, but I, I remember seeing that. So you can buy some of the art from the game. I do know. Oh, deserves to be in museums. Mm-hmm. They, there should be a whole museum just for the art. The Louvre groups. should set aside a room for it. Yeah, the Louvre. Get on it. Really? You should. Well, so we've talked enough. Okay, spoilery stuff is over. They're like we've, we've hashed out enough about the game. Now it's time for you to go play and enjoy but if it's not clear already enough, what would you rate this game? So I would just like to preface this by saying on Steam, the game does in fact have a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, I don't you know, like to give hardcore ratings, as you know, but I would say if I had to 1 to 10 it, I'd put it at probably an 8.5. Nice. And the only reason I'm not making it higher than that is because it is very short. Mm-hmm. Like That's quite literally link- linked to just the length of the game. It does not have to do with the quality of it. The quality is 10 out of 10. Yeah, quality, I, I agree with it, with you on that too. And I felt like, again, I don't give it quite the full 10. I mean, I really do. I mean, I, it's like, I want to say there are bad things about it. Like the one, the one slight detracting thing that I can take away for, that I could say about the game is that from level to level, the you very much, you can see the recurring pattern in what you have to do. And like, yeah. Okay, I gotta go here. I'm gonna do this. Then it, I mean, the stars are gonna go to the sky. Then I'm gonna get transported to the next area, and I'm gonna do this. And so that was a little like you just you kind of already knew pretty early on the path that you were gonna go on. You yeah. just obviously didn't know what turns it was gonna take in the and along the is, way. It is it is a it is a very linear game. Yeah, uh, there's really it, this is not there's an exploration small exploration. Game. The exploration is in your own heart, people. It's not in the external world. You have to go inside for mm. that. Uh, but there was also just a couple of small. I think maybe like mechanical glitches that I'm. I had a couple. I had then. a couple freezes, which when the game is already so fluid, those yeah. really stand. They, they do. So one of the ones that I encountered more than once was when you're shooting up out of the water yeah. and you land. Sometimes you can't immediately walk forward. Like mm-hmm. the game kind of freaks out. It's like, um, no, I don't think we're walking. Right. So you have to kind of jostle yourself back to be able to walk. And I don't think that was intentional. I think that is a glitch. And being that we played it on the Switch and not a PC, yeah, that, that could might be not happen. Thing. on PC. Yeah. Yeah, but because we both experienced it for I thought it might just be me, but I don't know. No, I experienced is. that a little bit too. So those would be the only but again, it's so those are it's so, so minor, minimal. Yeah. So minor. It doesn't happen very it, it maybe happened five times in this oh, whole game. On the water level, pro tip Close your blinds. Play in a dark room. Yeah. Some of the some of the later levels uh, do occasionally go into like just a very dark color palette, mm-hmm. and some of them I would like really had to squint and be like, "What the hell am I supposed to be seeing?" I would here? sometimes lose my my manta ray. My manta ray. <laughs> and have to like move around and be like, "Oh, there it is. Okay, <laughs> here we go." That should be like the tagline for Greece. Sometimes we all lose our manta ray. <laughs> <laughs> so I would I would agree. Yeah, I, I think for like mechanics and gameplay and gameplay, I would say eight eight point five for 
artistic reasons, 10. 1,000 out of 10. Has to, hands down. I mean, it's just one of the most impressive works of artistry and motion I've ever had the joy to get my hands on. Oh, yeah. Bar none. It was a fantastic game and one that we obviously think everyone should go play. So please, play Gris. Give uh, Studio Nomada some love. They only want $16. Some love. Dollars. Love. <laughs> Devolver Digital for publishing it, which Austin-based company, just in our neighborhood, you know? And so, good Lord, right in the middle of an emotional close. <laughs> Phone notifications going It's off. the Snapchat. <laughs> the young people. <laughs> but anyway, Play Grease, it's an amazing game, an emotional journey that we do not believe you will be sorry for playing. You'll be overjoyed for playing. In fact. Indeed. Indeed, indeed. So, to close out the episode, though, we do have to do our soundtrack spotlight, which we are going to feature music from Greece. Obviously. Obviously. What else would we Although do? not quite so obviously, because Brandon had actually put a track from Resident Evil 2, and I was like, oh, well, let's do that. And then I told him, for, like, oh, no, we're talking about Greece. We have we to talk about We, we have to play the music. music we'll save at it, the Brandon. End of Greece. Don't worry. We'll, we'll save that one. So, we'll, we'll feature what that one in a mismatch. bit. mismatch. Can you but, imagine? <laughs> like, take the most stressful, intentionally ugly, gritty game you can think of. With that music, music on with Greece. <laughs> so the song that we are going to feature for this episode is Greece Part 2, which does take place later on in the game, uh, closer to the game's climax. But it's a very emotional piece, as is the rest of the soundtrack. has some great some vocals in there and everything that pair excellently with music, as we've already talked about and described. But again, so that is Greece Part 2 is the track, again, by the Berlinists. So stick around after the close to listen to that. But with that... That concludes this episode of Team Chat Podcast. Come back next Tuesday for a brand new episode at 9 a.m. Central Time and listen to that on podcast services around the world wide web, YouTube, Twitch, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It's out there. Google us, teamchatpodcast.com slash where to listen to find out more. Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash teamchatpodcast to help us keep making this show big and beautiful for all of you beautiful people. And with that, I'm one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined by Rachel Mogan. Sayonara. Sign R as well. We'll see you all later. Stick around for this. Episode.